Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a bodybuilder and a nutrition and exercise science professor, uh, among other things. <laughs> and a devoted Justin Bieber fan. Always. <laughs> Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, uh, editor, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a... Competitive powerlifter, strength coach, founder of Lipper Hope and Strength Guild, and I'm sipping on maple syrup straight from Toronto. Really? Uh, yes, one of my clients was up there last week, and she brought me back maple syrup from Toronto. And you're drinking it. I'm drinking it. <laughs> oh my God. And I got a hell of a cold. Ugh. Oh, yeah, you've got Because yeah, uh, Phil, Phil is our, our uh, returning, conquering hero. Yeah, and I've got my post-meat cold going on. So. Yeah, what do you call it, Olympic flu? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, tell us about the meat, brother. It went good. It went real good. I, I came in and I got all my goals easier than I expected even. So I took three it, it took three tries on the squat, but I had a lot left in me. So I went I went five thirty five, five seventy five, six hundred. Um bench I just did one at three hundred, that's it. And I'm letting my shoulder heal up. That was stupid easy, but there was no pain, so that's a that's progress. And then uh, opened at 655 on the deadlift, and then went up and called 700, and the people were like looking at me like I was crazy. But uh, really, you're making a jump that big? I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's not my first rodeo, and uh, right. hit that easy. So hit that easy, and then walked away. Didn't even take a third. So I just that's that's the numbers I wanted coming in, and that's what I came in and hit, and walked away. So what was your jump before 700? What was the number? 55, 655. Oh, I don't think that's much of a jump. Yeah, I didn't think it was either. Hell, I jumped uh, over a hundred, well over a hundred pounds when I did mine. Yeah. But you guys, that's uncommon, right? I mean, go, making fifteen hundred pound jumps, or is it not? Fifteen hundred pound jumps, fifty, 50 to one hundred. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I mean I normally do. Like, uh, it's right around there, I suppose. You know, I'll go seven, seven fifty, stuff like that. So, I don't know. I'm at the point now where it's, I come in, I got a goal, and I just want to get it and get out. <laughs> I guess it's if relative, I, though, too, right? 50 pounds yeah. relative to 700 is not as big of a percent jump as 50 pounds relative to No, it's like 8%. 300, right? You know, yeah. So, um, yeah, because normally, like, when I'm warming up, I'm, I'm packing a plate on, do a couple reps, pack a plate on, you know. So, no, it went real well. I, I couldn't be more happy, and my team did great. Had nothing but a... Uh, uh, compliments from the staff there on how great they were with sportsmanship, and uh, we, what did we get? I think 11 first place, two second place, so we, we did well, how collectively. Big, how big was the meet, like in, in total competitors? I think it was right about 50 total, so not bad. Um, there was uh, a few push-pull and bench-onlys, and then the rest, two flights of... Uh, Two larger flights of uh, full meat. So, not a lot of equipped. There was like one full meat equipped lifter, um, and a couple push pull and bench only. But the rest of them were raw, which was uh, pretty interesting. So, is that uh, a feature of that organization, like the no. sponsoring body, or no? Not no. Really? Normally, SPF is. Uh, that's like where oh. Westside and everybody else lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, I was I was expecting many more equipped lifters. But uh made the day go fairly quick, but it was still a long day. Um, well, we started at 9 and got done at 3.30. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That, that's a good day. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was a little, uh, a couple of my lifters were a little shocked. Um, they didn't realize just how long it was going to be, stuff like that. And uh, but all in all, it was it was a well-ran meet. Um, and, uh, yeah, it went well. So, well right on. You said you drove four hours for that, huh? Yeah, I drove for I went down on Thursday evening, waited in Friday. I waited in light, of course. I ate my way up to 262, 
Um, so instead of cutting weight, I was trying to pack it on. And, uh, so, and then, uh, you know, weighed in and came in the next day and got to business. Got to business. Bought a bunch of candy bars from, there was a, a little 12 year old girl there lifting. It was awesome. And, uh, she was selling candy bars. So we gave her all the money we had. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it was neat. Yeah. There was a little 12 year old girl lifting. She hit, she weighed 75 pounds. She benched 65 and missed 75. So almost got body weight. I think she, I think she deadlifted 175. Um, so 100 pounds more than body weight, more than double body weight. And I didn't, I I didn't catch a squat. It was, she was amazing. She was neat. And then there was a little nine year old boy too that did real well. So it was fun cheering for them. It was, it was good seeing, uh, you know, the next generation coming up and, and treating them well. Stuff like that. We took a couple other lifters that were there by themselves doing first time meets under our wing, uh, help them out getting, getting set up and stuff like that. So every once in a while we'll, we'll see somebody on our listeners page on Facebook. They'll say, Oh, I just did a meet, you know, or uh, I'll do bodybuilding and a powerlifting meet. And one of the things that I think would be so hard about powerlifting meet was, is that crazy six to eight hour, you know, yeah. gap. Like it's yeah. not lifting when you're ready or when you feel strong. It's lifting. Yeah when they're ready and maybe when you when you don't feel strong you know exactly i mean my first squat was probably about 10 10 a.m and my deadlift was at three wow you know so plus yeah you go four hours to get there i mean with the bodybuilding stuff when i was driving all over i was doing the same thing six hours up to fargo you know another umpteen hours here and there over to missouri or whatever and but but i didn't have to actually lift something heavy like hours apart yeah, this was a lot easier than it, it really hurts me changing time zones. If I have to switch a time zone or two, then I'm in trouble. But uh, this wasn't that bad, and I it probably should have been a five and a half hour drive. But when it was said fifty, I did about eighty, so I cut it down, and now we got there in a expedient amount of time. It's funny you said that. When I was on my way down to Missouri for the Mister Midwest last year, I got <laughs> I got a ticket. Did you? I think they see out of state plates and they think you're an easy target because you can't get yeah. tested. It was it was good. I saw a lot of uh, Iron Radio listeners there, so Sweet. came up to me and said hello. Talked to my wife. I, that was probably the only disappointment of the meet is not one of them brought me food. Um, oh, you I, guys, listen! I know. Come on. I know. We told you to bring him food. Yeah, <laughs> but we came equipped. I think we were the only powerlifting team that came with what was it? Uh, we had three full boxes of donuts we carried in with us. So it was amazing. There it is. Um, yeah, we we came ready to roll. So. Still working on that sponsorship. Exactly, I know, I know. Had to mention Krispy Kreme on air. I know. Kreme, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally wear a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I got no shame. It's beautiful. <sighs> I got no shame. Okay, so. uh, listeners, I'm going to share. Just uh, the only bit of news we have is our fall funds drive. So I'm going to burden you with this in just a moment. Then we're going to do our topic of the day, which was actually um, a listener. Uh, proposed topic, which was really a good one, which was uh, two parts. Do you guys do your own programming, uh, you know, lifting programs? Uh, and what have you bought into over the years? Uh, so we could talk about what the three of us do in our own experience, I guess, as um, sort of veteran guys. But um, as far as just what's happening with Iron Radio, I just want to announce the fall funding drive. Soon you'll hear Fortress with a little um, mid-show ad um, sort of uh, sharing this, but what we're going to do is we're, we're again, we're listener supported. So in that way, it's very much like public radio. We don't have a big supplement company funding us and then pressuring us on, on what to say or, or what have you. So uh, what we're going to try to do is usually is offer something to sweeten the deal. So if you can step up and become a $4 a month recurring member, and you simply do that by going to the bottom of the ironradio.org webpage, um, we'll send you a gift that's worth over $20. I'm just going to say over $20. Uh, I'll send it to you myself, so and I'll know uh, who's you know either a significant one-time donor. So let's say you want to donate $50, or we had one gentleman from Pennsylvania once donate $350. This is exactly the kind of stuff that can keep us on the air as our bandwidth grows because we can only um, upscale so much before we have to change servers and and all this sort of stuff. And we also have plans for other big things in the future. So none of this money goes into, you know, Rob's trip to Jamaica. Uh, it, 
goes into bandwidth and it goes into giving stuff back to you all. So $20 gifts for anybody who can become a supporting member, a recurring $4 a month member, or a one-time significant donor of over $50. And I just want our existing supporting members to know they have not been forgotten. Because one of the things that really irks me is when corporations or whoever, organizations, they give out freebies to new people, and then the old-timers that have been around from the beginning have been, like, you know, left out. So... We're not going to leave you out. We're going to send you. All you have to do is email Fortress through our webpage. And uh, he's going to send you a link, sort of a secret link, to audio. And there's a seminar there on how to realistically but significantly boost your testosterone levels. So we talked about vitamin D on a recent episode, but there's more in that seminar as well. And we'll send you that. So also good stuff for people who continue to support us because we value you guys as well, of course. Any uh, single donator of fifty dollars or more, I got something. I'll give them. I will give them my uh, my callus trimmings for a, for, for a month. Fantastic. I will save them up, and they can. Uh, we'll frame them. Is that going to have an effect like your beard clippings? Yeah, it will. It will much like that. Yeah. <laughs> we can do like the vegans are doing now, and if you soak them in water long enough, you can make gelatin out of my clippings. I remember this that. is getting disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> Rob will send you a locket of his uh, golden hair. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's laughable. Yeah. It is. Y- you'll have to grow some off the back of your head, like, you know, uh. Yeah. Like, shit on my eyebrows. <laughs> your eyebrows. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's take a, a brief break. I know it's early in the show, but, uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk about training. Uh, whether or not coaches are worth it and the different kinds of programs that have come and gone through the years. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the protein and resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. 
Welcome back, iHeartRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie and Phil and Rob. And before we get today's to today's topic about coaching and programming, uh, I know Rob has some email that uh, needs answered, I think, from listeners. Yeah. Well, actually, the first one, I just wanted to give a uh, proverbial shout-out to uh, Grip Sling and Christos at Grip Sling. Um, he's uh, sent me uh, some samples of, of his his product um, and you can go to gripsling.com and check it out there's a myriad of things you can do with this thing it's uh, you can use it applicable to all different types of uh i actually use it i was just saying to the boys here i i've actually found a couple ways to use it that um all right i suppose to its original use a little uh, abnormal but anyway it, it can be useful for lots of things that uh you do fitness training, strength training-wise anyway. So, yeah. So, uh, shout out to Christos at gripslim.com. Also, I want to read an, uh, an email here that I got from uh, one of our listeners. And he was asking about protein. And the question is, I have a question regarding the whey protein powders. I had someone ask me how long they... Whey protein can be mixed in a shaker bottle before being consumed. He had heard that if the whey protein powder is mixed and not consumed very quickly enough for some time before consuming that mixture, will lose its efficacy. Have you ever heard of this? Um, that's from Brian. And so I told him that I'd put that forward to you, Lonnie. Certainly that uh, I've, I've heard people question this because I've questioned this myself. How long can you have the? Once you mix it up, how long can you have that thing? Uh, Walking this, around mixed up before things start going going south as far as the usefulness of it. Yeah, this reminds me of our our show uh, just recently about forcing down spoiled foods. Yeah, this is sort of to me the only issue here is a a microbiology issue, uh, contamination, bacterial type thing. Protein foods spoil. Uh, if, you know, the, the old school way of saying this is if, if the temperature is between 40 and 140, that's the danger zone where bacteria grow. And they love protein, and they especially love aqueous protein. So when you have a solution of protein, it's literally like a little test tube or Petri dish. And you've got about four hours, give or take, um, especially if it's warm. Uh, if it's very warm, even less time. So spoilage is your biggest concern, and that's why I think portable foods like protein bars, if you're very choosy, uh, or things like handfuls of mixed nuts or what have you, some of these things can be very valuable because they don't spoil like a protein shake. So in short, uh, I, if this is what I understand he's getting at, all of the amino acids are still there. I mean, amino acids aren't going to break down. Um, some Some peptides might break down, and... Usually that's sort of icing on the cake, though. It's a specialty aspect of some protein powders that they have special peptides that uh, are supposed to help with your immune function or gut or what have you. But the amino acids are there. So those that's not going to change probably uh, in a couple of hours, even in solution. Like creatine, if you leave in solution, it will become creatinine and become useless. But... Protein's not going to become uh, useless as far as what your body can use it for as building blocks in just a couple of hours. The concern would be, like I said, starting around three hours and stretching out to four, well, you better smell that closely uh, because bacteria love that stuff. And then basically you're ingesting microorganisms. And when, you know, if you're sick or even partially sick, that's just going to hurt your training progress. This went around a lot for a while, the whole scare of. Denaturing protein and stuff. Yeah, and, I and once. once oh, wow. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say once. Uh, I, I heard that. Oh, don't microwave like. Yeah. Um, and it's That's true. What I was gonna get at like the heating and stuff, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm no scientist, but I mean, from what I remember, it was like, yeah, it might denature it a bit, as in start breaking it down. But it's like the the single amino acids are still there. They're just right. their bonds are broken, which hell, they maybe it digested a little less. That's, yeah, I mean, so you could definitely see that if you put casein powder into, like, really hot oatmeal or something, it will sort of almost cook. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, when you denature a protein, you sort of bend it and unkink it in different ways. Um, and, yeah, that w but it's not going to change the amino acid profile, which is what you're saying, which, yeah, yeah. that's right. Now, I'm sure nitrogen-fixing bacteria, if they do start to run wild in there, yeah. they, they might actually affect 
the amino acid profile in some way um, that would be different from just denaturing with heat. Um, but, yeah, it, the real risk there is just contamination. It's, I don't think there's anything bad about the protein. I would just say make sure you keep it dry until it's time to you know mix it with some tap water and suck it down. Yeah. Uh, that's just a practical advice. Yeah. And really, like, there's not a lot of situations. I mean, even if you are, tend to be one who wants to just sip through a, a protein drink or a weight gain a drink with lots of protein in it or whatever, um, like Lonnie says, if you bring it in the shaker bottle and you mix it up, you know, somewhat close to where you're going to start kind of sipping on it, like he says, three, four hours, that's a, that's a long time, you know. I mean, I, I can say from personal experience that I've sipped that weight gainer drinks over several hours. And I've never had a problem. Yeah. And protein, protein powders too. Um, I think, but you know, as a, as a rule of thumb, Lon, uh, listen to what Lonnie's saying for sure, because you don't want to get sick off something. But uh, it'll it'll do detriment to your protein intake if it's shooting out both ends. <laughs> That's, yeah. Right. You know. yeah. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, you know what? I mean, from from a perspective like really any of ours. Three hours later, that's you just skipped a meal. You're on meal two now, brother. So yeah. you know you should be have you should have moved on to another meal. Yeah. So unless that's all you've gotten, you're desperate. It, like Rob was saying, you know that's you're sort of trickling it in over a long shift at work or something like that. Uh, chug it and move on. Get, yeah. get some more in, more calories, more protein. Excess is probably better than not enough. So, all right. So that brings us to uh, the topic. Uh, which is the first one was um, do you do your own programming or do you rely on a coach? Uh, let Phil, you go first because you are a coach. Yeah. Um, I suppose it might be a no-brainer to say, oh, Phil's going to do his own program. He is a strength coach. But I don't know. I mean, you also know a lot of very <coughs> famous other strength coaches. So what's your take on this? Exactly. I mean, I think uh, it's blurry because, sure, I, I do my own, but at the same time, while doing that, I'm talking to many others to kind of lay this plan out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on others to help me plan it. But, I mean, I've got my ideas. And uh, then, like when I was training up with Jesse Burdick, you know, I came in with my stuff. And then he, he leaned his stuff on there. And we, we saw where we met type of thing. So um, that's what I do. I mean, I kind of answered him by, in a quick email real quick. And then we're, we're covering it more now. But that's, that's where I'm at. I, I do my own. But, I mean, I think... One thing you'll see is even even coaches have coaches. Um, yes. Like I have I have my wife who's a, who's a coach here in my facility as well, keeping an eye on me. I can't spot my form. I you can't you can't eyeball those type of weaknesses. Usually, it helps to have other eyes on you. And usually, we're real bad at making ourselves do what we should do because it sucks. So, so you need somebody else to tell you, you know, yeah. You, your squat sucks because you don't like squatting. You need to squat some more, or you know, you, you know, do do the boring glute bridges and things like that. So, I yeah. see I see the analogies there with bodybuilding a lot. Like I've always been too, um, maybe the word is arrogant. You know, to ask anybody else for help. I mean, I do have degrees in this stuff, and you know, I supposedly know what I'm doing. Uh, but that second pair of eyes, especially when you're starving, like yeah. eight weeks into a diet. That's very helpful. I've never paid somebody to be a diet coach, but next time I compete, I might actually consider that. People might think that's crazy. What's doc, you know, Dr. Larry? He's a licensed nutritionist. What's he? Hey, you know, you need another pair of eyes. And like Phil said, especially when it comes to things that suck. Like mm -hmm. if you're not sharpening up the way you think you are, you need a harsh review, yeah. you know, from another person. Or hey, it's time to eat that that dry chicken breast. You know, are you eating it? Hey, Lonnie, eat it. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, two heads are better than one. Yeah. And so I, I think sometimes that third-party perspective. At the same time, though, I know Dorian Yates has actually chastised young guys about relying too heavily on a strength coach to the, or a diet coach or what have you yeah. Yeah. to make uh, – they don't even know what they're doing. Well, I don't know. My coach tells me. Yeah. And I think that can be a problem, too. Rob, what do you think about that? Um, well, to what you're saying about – what Dorian has said, I, I, I firmly believe that too many people today too much look into that as, you know, it's, you know, I can't even start until I have somebody here in my corner, you know, yeah. some professional yeah. guy. And it's just, you know, to guys like Lonnie and I, that's just clear nonsense. Um, 
You know, I kind of came up just watching people. I'm a real visual observing type person. Um, as far as coming up with programs, like we were talking about before the show, I mean, I've always come up with my own programs, but there's nothing particularly original <laughs> about anything that I came up with. You know, I'm, there's lots of people now who are trying to like, you know, put their trademark stamp on things that I was doing 20 years ago and That's things so that, you know, were falling under the heading of the, you know, Joe Weider's training. <laughs> You know, system and all these kinds of things. And, and I, and I, I did variations of all that kind of stuff, you know, cause I grew up in the era, you know, where in the, you know, in the, the mid late eighties where, you know, the flex and muscle and fitness and all that, that was muscle mag. Those, those were, were guys like Lonnie and I would go turn to, to see what was going on. I mean, for all our young listeners under there, out there, you know, this, these are days long before there was any such thing as the internet, you know, and I mean, that's yeah. probably hard to imagine for some of the young listeners, but, all we had was the magazines, you know, and the occasional VHS cassette that you would, you know, VHS. order, you know, yeah, order out of the back of the Flux magazine for, you know, fifty nine ninety nine, and it would show up like, you know, four months later. Um, well, and we were glad to have it. And we were glad <laughs> to have it. I mean, just as a side note, Lonnie, do you remember that hotline that you would call up to find out who won the Mr. Olympia? Yes, the hotline. Yeah, there used to be, there used to be a, a weeder hotline that you could call up, <laughs> so you could get the immediate quote unquote results. It was still like a day later, but anyway, and there would be this a voice, you know, this a voice recording. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, I've always put together my own on my own routines, and sometimes I've just been training for a period of time where I really didn't have a routine. If that makes any sense. And as far as now, because um, I yeah, I do consider my forte now to be you know training. Not so much program design, but training, and, I, and there is a there's a subtle difference there. And Phil, you know well, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. You know, I, I think train. I'm an expert in training, but I would never consider myself an expert in program design. Certainly, Phil would be much closer to that designation than I am. Um, but I, I I've always been comfortable. Um, well, I shouldn't say always. Certainly, for the first after the first few years, I've always been kind of comfortable and kind of doing my own thing. And as I've moved kind of beyond the bodybuilding, more towards you know specific discipline strength training, I've become more and more aware of of, of the re- requirement for at least you know a good portion of every year to be following some sort of routine regime program. So, and I still come up with my own, but I'm not going to lie and say that I again. Don't largely steal these ideas from things I've already seen, you know. Well, and I think that's that's a big part of it is that you know you're also we're all veterans. We've been at this a long time. I'm not going to say I don't like programs. I think for people who are starting out, I think programs are great. I mean, I think put in five years where you you pick one and you follow that thing to completion, mm-hmm. and then you pick another one and you follow it to completion, and then you start getting these notes down of what you begin to know yourself. Phil, when you talk like that, you sound like an old martial arts instructor. (laughs) You know, because you don't flip from one style to another to another. You You know what I mean? It would be considered an embarrassment to your original style, or in this case, your original training tenets, you know, to flip from one to another to another. You'd never be taken seriously because you never put enough time to get experience in it. Yeah, you never know the real results, and that's how you get to know what... What works for you? I mean, there's only one way to do it, and it's get in there and do it. And you can't, you can't do five, three, one for two weeks, and then jump to starting strength for a week and a half, and then jump to this and that. You you need to get in there and put some months in. Yeah. And and then okay, I know how that works for me. Let's try this one. And then a decade later, you've got some margins to work with. You've, you've got some info in your book that you can start. Then you know, picking out the things that work for you. And I mean, yeah, of course. Now all the last five, six years, I've I've done pretty much all my own programming, but I have, you know, I've, I've had the liberty of, of first having those programs and then knowing all, all these coaches personally that, you know, I can, I've trained with, I've worked with, I can talk to. And then they can help you tweak so, what you've got. Yeah, and right. now it's, uh, I'm having a problem with this. Let me call Jim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, see what he thinks. Right. You know, and then you try one thing, you know, which is Dan John's big about that. Change one thing. You know, and see how that works. So you keep some element of yeah, all, all yeah, the I control have, variables are in place. I have my base that I can always go back to. I know this program works for me at all times, right. and then I can add in one thing. All right, you like, guys, I have a slew of questions here for you, just from what you guys have been saying that's stimulating my uh, my cortex, cerebral cortex here. So, one, let's Phil, let's start with you, and then we'll go right to Rob. Have you ever paid a coach for programming? No, I haven't. 
Okay. That's a simple question. Yeah. See, unlike a politician, each. Phil goes right for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> no. What about you, Rob? No, I haven't either. I, I've never played yeah. anybody, but I've had people that gave me help that they, <laughs> they charge everybody else for. <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah, yeah exactly. I, and I'm not saying that as an arrogant statement. I'm just saying, because, you know, the three of us have connections that, let's be realistic, exactly. most people don't, and that's just, you know, that's just our good fortune. You know, yep. I yeah. know a lot of people who, you know, who, who are willing to give me help that other people would pay hundreds of dollars for. I mean, if I'm looking at, and for the things that I'm talking about, I'm talking about um, diet advice. Because my last bodybuilding competition was actually just before I met you, Lonnie. So I didn't know. I mean, certainly if it was now, Lonnie would be the guy that would be doing that, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but Well, you know, I the hear end. the going rate's like $400 to get ready for a show. <laughs> okay, there you go. So, so I'm going to charge you eight. Oh, <laughs> what a guy! You know. And um, but the thing you know, the thing I got most coaching for, believe it or not, was posing. And you know, back when I was a bodybuilder, putting together my routine. So it um, is true that I see some need for that. In fact, there's a video floating around YouTube that I did not take of a young um, bodybuilder uh, from up in Minnesota, Nick, and. We're just talking about it, you know, like the perspective of where the judges, how they're sitting below you, so how you have to keep that in mind and how you transition from one pose to another. And I mean, there's actually quite a bit in it. And I was actually giving him the little tip that, you know what, when you sit down, here's a way to sit down and figure out your your routine to choreograph it is draw stick figures, including transitions, you know, draw like 15 stick figures in a row, all your poses and, you know, but just that kind of little bit of coaching. Almost storyboard it. Yeah. So, like yeah. in the film world, you storyboard yeah. scenes, same same kind of thing. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that if you know a lot of young guys might not have think, thought about. But what I don't want to see is a young guy like him with potential just start strutting from one end of the stage to the other, ripping off most musculars and, and double biceps shots, thinking he's a guest poser because that's that's not what it should be about. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, just just as a side note, that's getting old people. So let's let's stop the flicking of the fingers. Like, let me hear you. Let me hear you. Let's, yeah, they let's come just, hither. Yeah. Yeah. Let Let's just stop that from, from the pro ranks all the way down. Let's just stop that. Nobody is that excited that you're on stage. <laughs> that's right. You know what? Like, and that's where it starts to differ from powerlifting. It makes me sad because I look at it like a contest, not a show. But if you think about the terminology, you go to a power meet. That's like a wrestling meet. But yeah. you go to a bodybuilding show, and I'd, I'd like to get back to the idea. Like Arnold used to call him a contest, you know, when I prepare for a contest. It's, <laughs> that's, nice. that's, um, that's where it should be. You should be choreographed. It should be like uh, anything else, like Olympic ice skating or diving. We've talked about this kind of stuff before. So anyway, yes, but I do see that I agree with you, Rob, that the posing stuff could be something where coaching would be huge. And I think in powerlifting, one of the equivalents might be um, – Keeping yourself ready for that extended weight between big lifts. As we were you know, talking, like, like you know, like Phil's talking about how he can actually chill out and not be hyped up the whole time because then you'll be exhausted by the time that three o'clock comes in the afternoon. It's time to deadlift. Yeah, you know? I mean, so that's the kind of stuff coaches with experience. Yeah. Gold. The first time I ever exactly. Went I think. That, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying the first time I ever went in a meet, and I've spoken about this before. Um, again, I had the good fortune of having a couple guys that you know um, back when I was in Ohio that had a lot of experience with powerlifting competitions and they were willing to come out and, ch- and support me and help me. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'll admit this to the day I die. I was very under prepared for all the things that are useful to know or to have somebody that knows when you get there. Yeah. I didn't even know what a flight was. I was like, what's, yeah. what, what's with these flights? What's all that about? Yeah. You know? So, no, and I mean, like you were saying, I mean, that's a that's a pretty twisted question because you're talking to some guys that were honestly, I mean, we've, we've been fortunate in who we've known and, and who we've been lucky enough to run into and, and stuff like that and be friends. So, like Rob I mean, said, I, you know, you observe, you learn so much, but from observing when you're around certain yeah. people, you know, you get the idea. But there are some things where it's good to have a coach who lived through it because yeah. all of the certifications or textbook learning in the world is not going to tell you that. You know what? Don't expect to be your absolute peak strength necessarily dropped on a dime. You know, yeah. or like in the bodybuilding competition, it's sort of sim- similar. Don't expect to be on stage with your biggest pump ever. You're going to be on eighty percent of your best. 
Yeah. You know, I remember once they kept delaying and delaying. It was at the Mountaineer Cup, which was a pro powerlifting event, and they had an amateur bodybuilding contest with it. And uh, we were backstage pumping up, I, I shit you not, for three and a half, four hours. <laughs> uh, and there's only so many times you can lay down on the bed. You know, and I like, I like to use a fair amount of weight when I pump up. I don't just do push-ups. You know, I got, you know, two and a quarter or 250 on the bar, and I'm getting a pump, and then they're like, oh, we're delayed again. And it's just like, oh, my God, are you kidding? So I think by the time I got on stage, I was so flat and shaking. Most of the yeah. guys just wanted to leave, you know, at that <laughs> point because it was just it yanked our chains. Yeah. But I can see a lot of similarities between that and the powerlifting, although I know that there is meat magic that goes on. And despite it all, you can really surprise yourself in a meet. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And as far as just going back to the pure topic that we have today, you know, like I said, I mean, every, you hear all the different systems that people have, and I'm not going to get specific or use names, but the truth of the matter is, if not entirely um, plagiarized from some other system, from some other system, from some other system, from other system, there are at least variations on a theme that have been done. Because there's only so many ways you can mix up, you know, exercise and the volume and what you're doing reps-wise and sets-wise and even things like percentage, there's only you know there's only so many percentages that you can choose from. So it's it's like people say in music, right? I mean, when people say, "Hey, that song sounds like that song," they must have they must have copied it. Well, sometimes I suppose they did copy it, but you know what? In the twelve twelve in the Western scale, there's only twelve notes, right? Twelve tones. So mm-hmm. things are going to bound to sound like other things once in a while. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're using something that you read and you think, I think I might like to give that a whirl, do understand that it's probably more than likely just a variation on themes that have been running for decades and decades. Amen, Rob. And I know Phil's yeah. going to be- you know, believe that, too. I mean, yeah. when oh, you yeah. look at most stuff, we we sort of laugh about CrossFit being rebranding, but mm-hmm. most of the original stuff, you go back to Eastern Bloc stuff, and not just the, the coaches themselves, but the researchers like Hockenen and those guys, most of the stuff you see now is pieces, parts, or just straight out the same stuff um, that one of the founding fathers has done for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to include nutrition in that, too. A lot of the nutrition stuff you see, I can point you to very clear clinical correlates that have been used forever. Uh, And, you know, people are, you know, making it sound like it's some big new thing. And it's amazingly because the masses can be sheepish. Sometimes you get everybody buying the new spiel like it's new. You know, yeah. you know. Here's an example, simple one, and this isn't a perfect example, but kettlebells. Yeah. Not new. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. not, not, not new. No. Yeah. In not fact, I think it's Ripito. Somebody said, you know, we got away from that because dumbbells are better. Yeah. Or is that Bill they're, Pearl? Said Bill that? Pearl no, actually, yeah, it? made a joke about that for sure. Yeah, they're loadable, you know. So. All right. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think what you see is just uh, you'll see probably variations of how to put things together. Um, and I, I think where coaches come in involved is uh, fitting those parts to the individual. Yes. You know, is what it is. That's the hard part. It's it's that's the having, art sometimes. Yeah, it's having John do this for a reason, not just because you can. Um, type of thing. And so. amazingly, not just the way people are put together differently. I don't know if I told you guys this, but. I'm teaching a kinesiology class this semester, and one of the, the facts in the textbook says that anatomy books are only 50 to 70% accurate in any given individual. That's how much variation there is in people, yeah. the way they're put together. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would have guessed it was better than that. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this today on the uh, listener page. Wow. But I think beyond that, people also have huge genetic differences in the way they mm-hmm. respond to diet. Some guys can, you know, stay thick and mesomorphic. Uh, and on, and basically do a starvation protein only diet. Some guys they lose every gram of muscle. You know, I mean, so I mean, there's um there's metabolic differences just like there's musculoskeletal differences. And like Phil saying, coaches are the ones with the the wisdom and the and the art to say this is what I think you need, brother. Yeah. I was just going to add. So yeah, when you're doing a program, you know, temper it a little bit with the the knowledge that you have at any given moment and certainly if you've been training for several months you see you you have hopefully you know picked up a little bit of information and you've looked at some videos and you've watched some people do things and you start getting a little bit of a critical eye and you start, like, like Phil was saying much earlier in the show you, you start kind of having an idea of how your body responds to things and how you 
you know how how your recovery is on things and all you know how what motivates you and what what you look forward to doing in the gym. So you use all those things as ingredients, like you're making a a, a stew essentially. You know, and the pot is 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 the framework, and then you just start throwing in all the stuff that you. You know, and you can come up with your own little kind of neat ideas of ways of doing things. And well, that's a good segue, Rob. Let me ask you guys the other major question then, uh, listener question, which was, um, what kind of programs did you start on, and how is that different from what you're doing now? How have you progressed? So, Rob, you were just going on. So, what about you? Like, what did you do early? Where did your programs come from, and how is that different from now? Well, as as I said many many minutes ago, I my all my early programs came from magazines really i mean i was a start off as a bodybuilder and i i did the classic flex magazine you know routines you know follow whether, what the pros do yeah whether they you know all the the classic split type things right whether they're you know three on one off in fact that was one that i did for a lot of years the whole three on one off thing seemed to be big with me i don't know why it was very popular right? um you know or, or, or i do like a monday tuesday wednesday off thursday on Friday off, Saturday on, Sunday off, Monday, Tuesday on. But the, I mean, or you just flip the. I mean, very classic-minded things. And how that's changed, um, and certainly up through working through a muscle mag and then actually having contact with a lot of the pros and stuff, nothing much changed. Um, but then what did change is when I switched to powerlifting and I started realizing again, and again, I've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, how I really, it really was a, a seismic shift in how I viewed weight training. Um, you know, not not so much the pro. Well, you know, the in bodybuilding it was always about the program, and the program was all about basically like what days you do what body part. You know, whereas the seismic shift in powerlifting is you don't train body parts; you train exercises and assistance exercises. Yeah. Right? And it's not so much. I mean, it's still how many days a week are optimal for you to train at any at any given time. But the the, the real shift was again going in and having this mindset where, well, you know, this is the exercise that's my main exercise today, and these are the numbers or percentages or whatever that I that I'm supposed to hit, versus just you know, yeah, I'm going to do chest today. Let's do bench press today. Okay, right. well, you know, and, and you, you're adding plates, and you still don't really know what you're doing, where you're going to end up. But you know, is like, it safe to say that either you guys, Phil, how about you? Is it safe to say that you've reduced the volume, like the oh, null, greatly, the greatly. frequency during the week, yes. and the you know, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, big time. I think yeah. that's going to be true of all of us. I mean, I was doing a, a fairly nutty four-on-one-off program where I had actually my body split into four parts. I would go train one every day and then take a day off and then do it all again. And, I mean, I also weighed 155 pounds, you know. So it was one of those things working hard instead of smart, and I think that's a thing a lot of young guys, uh, you know, they fall into that. And bless their hearts for (coughs) having that kind of discipline. Um, And, you know, and I enjoyed the training because, you know, when you're 22 years old, the joint problems are, are fewer and farther between than now. Um, but at the same time, God, looking back, I would never tell, you know, I'd tell somebody, listen, if, if you're going to train four days, you better spread them across a whole week, you know, do like a two on one off or a one on one off, two on one off, you know what I mean? But take, you know, never train. I, w- I would tell people really, I wouldn't train more than two days in a row uh, in a lot yeah. of cases. So, but again, people then, have their goals. And, and when I talk where... about training too, that doesn't mean like. Uh, cardio or something to try to get rid of body fat. I'm talking about the actual application of the heavy weights to the muscles. Yeah. You know, your, your second question is where the, uh, the have you ever paid somebody to coach you thing kind of becomes a trick question because this is, I mean, I, I have books upon books upon books that had to be paid for. And, uh, yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, seminars and stuff like that. I'm a big advocate of going to those and learning as much as I can and then following that. But, uh, no, I mean, I think one of the biggest things about programs is, you know, my first program ever was this little, like, three-page sheet of paper that came with my Weeder Power Rack. <laughs> and nice. the, 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 it was the worst program ever, but it's one of the ones that worked the best for me ever, and that's because I read it, and I believed it, and I did it hard. Mm-hmm. And it worked. You know, I went from... 315 soft pounds to 215 pounds in like three months. 
And, you know, I, I worked, I, I didn't doubt it. I looked at it, I followed it, and I pushed hard. And I think that's where programs come in, is that people, they start early and they, they write something down and then they're questioning it after like day three. Does this really work? So they're not, they're not trusting what they have written down. Whereas if you get a coach, you're like, you'll believe in them 100% and you know this is going to work. So you go and you don't doubt it and you just push and do what the thing says. And if you do that, you're going to get results. You just really are. Yeah, I've heard people say that before. If you really believe in what you're doing and you go, you know, hardcore at that for months at a time, it, almost anything's going to work, especially when yep. you're new. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's actually yeah, what I've said many, many times is the belief, yeah. the belief in something, believe in yourself and the belief in what you're doing will take you yeah. considerably far. I could write the best program in the world. And if somebody did it half-ass, it's not going to get that great results. Yeah. You know, a program is just, it's an architect. That's it. You've got to build it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It takes the workers and the material to put that thing together. You know, the, the plan isn't it. It's the execution of the plan. I'll tell you what, you guys. I think on a future show, because I've been asked this multiple times by listeners, with the caveat that we are not you. And that's huge, right? Most gurus, they say, it works for me, so you should do this. Well, that's ignoring genetics altogether. It's ignoring drug use half the time altogether. But maybe in the future, each of us can say, here's how I get ready for a contest. It might be interesting. Phil, Rob, you guys can talk about progression models. I can talk about exactly what I do with the weights versus the the cardio and the food. You know what I mean? Knowing... uh, Maybe even before we do each one, we'll say, "Hi, I'm Phil, and you know I'm this tall. I weigh this much. My tendency is to either gain or lose mass. You know what I mean? And almost like a little case study, yeah. at least to try to get people to understand that you are not us. Yeah. Know? No, that, I think that's good. I think another thing worth mentioning is, you know, so we were talked about the power meet I just went to, and I brought 14 lifters with me, and I coach all 14 lifters that are on my powerlifting team. All 14 lifters followed a different plan. Yeah, see, case in point, yeah. You know, every single one of them had an individual plan. Sure, there were a lot of similarities, like we all squat together, but every single plan was different and, and fit to what they need. Um, it might be good to ask, uh, Phil, if you get a hold of uh, uh, Jim Wendler, and yeah. we'll, you know, we'll get a couple of very different athletes, and we'll ask them that specific question. Yeah. You know, What do you do in the... 12 weeks or whatever whatever duration the mesocycle is up to a contest. What do you do with the caveat that you are Jim Wendler? You know what I mean? Or that everybody is not Jim Wendler. Something like that. And Because I think it's still interesting to look at the case studies because then like you and Rob are both saying, it's almost like, well, it's, I think it's what our, the radio show provides here is we immerse listeners in this, this collection of, of um, very experienced people and then yeah. you could kind of borrow what you think what he just said might work for you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, again, my my team's a great example because I am the veteran lifter on the team. Um, my other lifter did a meet a year ago. That's the second veteran. <laughs> you know, so he's got a year in. Right. And all my people's training was very close, except for mine. It was totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, it was way different. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. You know, I'm I'm lifting way more weight. Um, right. So, yep. Well, Rob, you already touched on my one question. I know we're running low on time here, but you already touched on my one question about branding. And I just wanted to make a quick note just to reiterate that. Um, branding, the way you hear things called 531, or we were talking about go mad training recently, or um, the dog shit, or whatever the different kinds of training, everything has a brand because somebody's trying to spin it for, a, for money, <laughs> basically. And in the old days, I mean, even 80s and 90s, although people were selling programs, that usually amounted to, like Phil said, a pamphlet that you ordered out of the back of a book or something. You know, um, But there was a lot of information that you could glean from muscle magazines for free. Uh, and that's really, I, I like Rob, I followed a lot of that, and I tried to borrow what worked and reject what didn't and those sorts of things. But a four days on, one day off kind of program like I did for so long, before I got into a briefer kind of three days on one off or even two days on one off, 
those don't really have anybody's name attached, no buzzwords attached, you know. So I think the branding was not as bad. Now everything is so commercialized. I mean, God, you can't even sit in a fast food uh, drive-through without um, an advertisement blasting at you. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it's in every corner of our lives now. So I think that's one of the differences. When you start to brand it, you don't know what that means. I mean, if I say a four days on, one day off program, you know what I mean. But if yeah. I say, you know, I don't some goofy title. Uh, or somebody's name attached to it, you don't really know what that means. At yeah. least five three one suggests what it does. Yeah, it's it's it is, yeah, it's exactly what it does. So I yeah. mean, I think the only the the, the difference though, I think you're going to see in those little pamphlets that we started out with, or you know, little two page articles was it just told you here do this. I mean, you get some of the solid books like Starting Strength five three one this and that. It's a thick, dense book that here's what you do, here's why you do it. You know. I think strength coaching is the same way as, as what I would do in an academic way in the lab. But before you set up programming, you have to have some kind of baseline assessments on someone. Oh, yeah. You don't just start to say, here's your goals. Yeah. I mean, you know, if the guy's got a bum hip, you're, you're not going to immediately start him off with things that are going to require a certain amount of mobility or could damage his hip. No, you know? yeah, and for sure. I mean, I beg my clients as well to ask me why I'm having them do something. Yes. You know. Because if I can't tell you, then I shouldn't be having you do it. Yeah, well, I, the, the, the phrasing I use for, for what you're talking about, Phil, is by design. I would say, you see lots of guys doing things just because they're either A, lazy, mm-hmm. or B, they've seen somebody else doing it, and they don't even know that the, person, the other person they saw doing it was doing it because they were lazy or yeah. didn't know what the hell they were doing. And you go up to them and say, why are you only benching halfway down? When you can see that this kid's 15 years old and probably is, yeah. it's the second time he's ever walked into a gym. Yeah. Because you, and you know it's just because you saw somebody else do it. And then, yeah. but yes. then, you know, then if they see me doing like, you know, rack presses or like floor presses, you know, where you're not bringing, you know, having the bar go through its full range of motion, they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, but I saw you doing it. I'm like, there's a difference. I do yeah. what I do when I do it by design. Yeah. And like you say, if I can't explain to myself, forget explaining to somebody else. I'm at the point where I don't care to explain to anybody, but, you know, the harsher critic is myself. And if I can't yeah. explain to myself why I've chosen to do something, mm-hmm. then I either A, have to stop doing it, or, or B, if I want to think it ha- might have validity, research a bit. What the hell yeah. am I doing here? <laughs> it, 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 yeah. and why, should, why should I continue to do this if I don't specifically know why by design I've chosen to do this? That makes no yeah. sense to me. There's so much similarity with what you guys are saying with what I'm always telling students in the classroom, you know, that you go to school to learn the why, you know, yeah. or you work under a mentor to learn the why. If someone says, why am I doing this assessment test before we get going? Or why is the program set up this way? You have to be able to tell them. Otherwise, you're not an expert. You're a messenger, yeah. you know. And that's, I think that's where I sort of draw the line. Um, Rob, I wanted to ask you one thing. You once mentioned, so if people are interested in progression models and things like that, didn't you once mention a free online, is there a, a powerlifting neat calculator or something that will actually calculate your percentages for you as you progress? Do you know what I'm talking oh, well, about? Well, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, 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 Phil knows. There, there's, there's a lot of those online. Can they, I ask you guys to pick one or two that you like and then maybe mention them in a future show? Well, yeah, sure. But, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just, um, it's not that Phil and I know where to look. It's just that, you know, you just type in, yeah, I mean, powerlifter calculators, and you just find them. And they're out there. And, I mean, they all they all run basically with the, under the same premise that it's just doing the work for you. You know what I mean? Like what's 95% of this weight? What's, you know, or you can find ones that, you know, it's like you just plug in the numbers and they'll tell you kind of what rep, kind of rep range you should be in and so forth right. like that. And again, all these things are, you know, the, the more advanced you become, the more those things might not be specific to you. But no, anyway. It's general information. Yeah, I was what, gonna say, what we were just saying, there's no assessment that goes before it. Yeah. yeah, in a very generalized way, they're usually pretty accurate. You know, I get, um, they're usually pretty close, and they're not. You know, you can't, you can't squibble too much with with what they present. So, because you know, obviously, that the numbers are always going to be similar for like you know eighty five percent of your max, right? It's not going to change for that many reps for those kinds yeah. of numbers. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's a, in like one rep calculators and stuff. I, I'm not a fan. 
Yeah. I've never found one. That's like, like the be- biggest thing I did before this meet was 635 for three. And I will go and I do a one rep calculator, and that tells me my one rep max maximum is 672. Yeah. And I killed 700. We're outliers with that. Yeah. Because I could have hit, you know, it, I know I couldn't hit six set or seven hundred for two, but I probably would have hit seven fifty, you know. And it, it's a big difference when oh, the weight's starting to get up there. The first know? time I, I I heard of that, Phil, I saw that was I saw in a it was a basically in a book it was saying you know that you should be able to do seventy percent of your one rep max for twelve reps. Oh yeah, and then they'll say. Now, it is okay to ballpark. I think all the way through intermediate stages, I mean, four reps is approximately 90%. Eight reps is about 80%. Yeah. But, again, yeah, that's going to fall apart hard time when you start oh, getting Oh, yeah. That's, I remember the, the big the big to-do with uh, when Chad Waterbury's, like, his, uh, what was it, total body tray, TBT or whatever the hell it was called way back in the day, came out, and it was big on the 10 sets of three at 80%. And Dave Tate and all those guys came on and said, wait a minute. You know, there's no way I'm doing, you know, I'm squatting a 1,000 pounds. I'm not doing 10 sets of three at 800. <laughs> you know, it ain't going to happen. Right. You know. Right. But I think so. I think a lot of that, too, though, is, and I'm not disputing what you're, to large group what you're saying, Phil, but I think a lot of that, too, is because because of the advent of things that have allowed poundage just to go completely out of control, it, yeah, it's become unusual. But, I mean, a lot of those kind of, those types of programs were put in place, you know, before the advent of people putting, you know, 300 pounds yeah. on their bench press with a shirt and, yeah, yeah. you know, monoliths and suits that put 600 pounds on and squat <laughs> briefs and knee wraps and all that kind of stuff. But over, mean, time, over time as well, you get stronger and you get more efficient at doing one rep. You get real yeah, good well, at being fast switch. Of course, and that's what I was saying about advancing. I mean, there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a world of difference between, you know, um, what a, a seasoned strength, you know, trainer yeah. will be able to achieve for one rep, you know, based on what you saw him do for a set of eight. Yeah, and so it's even... general guys in the gym who does a set of eight, because, I mean, some guys, I've seen it. I've seen some guys who squat like 700 pounds, but, you know, but then you see them squat a set of 10 with 405, you know, and you're like, well, the guy squats 700. Shouldn't that 405 for 10 be a hell of a lot easier? Yeah. But you're not taking into consideration the fact, again, that this person, I mean, anybody who squats 700 pounds in the fashion that I'm kind of describing, that's pretty damn advanced. Yeah. You know, so it's and like, it, it's uh, like he, you're a specialist, right? So it's like, it like um, I mean, I can, I can do 315 for less reps now than I could back when I could, you know, squat much less weight for yeah. an absolute rep, yeah. you know, but it's so it's, it's, it's a different kind of preparation. Yeah. And you're and specialized. Wasn't it like Hatfield and Platts did a squat for reps contest? Yeah, yeah, and and they also did a max, and like of course I had the one, the max, and then, but Platts killed them on the reps. Right. So yeah. again, sports specificity, you yeah. become what you do. So again, like like we're like Lonnie's saying, those calculators and those are good general. I I still believe they're they're good generalizations, but if you're yeah. a specific hardcore powerlifter, you know that trains within yeah. the framework of of being that. Those numbers are going to start breaking down after a while, you know. Exactly. Well, I can tell you guys. You start getting your own indicators. That's right. I was just going to follow up on that. Like when I was doing five sets of five, you know, like literally five RMs, I had to tone it back to about four. I just, yeah. I mean, you could say maybe I'm not as conditioned enough, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> I no. couldn't take it. I admit it. I couldn't and, take and it. And you know what? And on to that point, and this is not putting you down at all because we're we're all not conditioned in in many ways but um that yes that is a form of conditioning and that's why it bums me out with people who don't know anything about straw man for instance will look at those guys and say oh but look at he has no six pack but look at he doesn't i'm like listen for what he does he's an immaculate yeah immaculate condition because yeah. again conditioning is specific if you're an athlete if you're not, if you're just some average Joe that likes looking good and being hot for the babes, then conditioning is specific to what your six-pack looks like. But yeah. but if you're an athlete, if you are an actual athlete, conditioning, the word conditioning is 100% specific to what it is that you do. You well, know? like Phil so, yeah. points out, like, strength endurance, right? And I mean, yeah. like, by the time I got to my fifth set... 365, I mean, you know, I was really feeling really good with that. And I, I considered that a way I really owned for sets of five or even yeah. ten. But not five sets later. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's so, I Another word yeah. I used to describe that, and I've used this word, this is kind of a fortress word that I always use, is um, capacity. Yeah. You know, you build capacity. You build your capacity to do things like that. People ask me all the time, well, how can you do so much weight on inclined dumbbells after you've gone so heavy and done all your close grip bench pressing and stuff? I'm like, because I'm conditioned to do it. Yeah. Your body, and it, it doesn't make me a superman. It just means that I've trained my body to adapt to a certain condition. Yeah. You know, a certain, a certain, you know, requirement yeah. of capacity. But you know what? Is. You guys, back to the point is a coach is going to do certain assessments. And I think he, a coach yeah. would look at me and be like, you know, Lonnie, you, you're not, you know, you, you're not heavily mesomorphic or endomorphic. You don't have a really thick skeleton. You're going to be careful adding, you know, sets five, six, or seven with that kind of weight on your back. You know what I mean? Uh, you, sh- you should be able to get some kind of indication that these programs can be modified a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I'm also of the opinion that pretty much anybody can adapt themselves to a, compa- a capacity. That doesn't mean their capacity is ever going to allow them to be do five sets of five with 600. You know, yeah. but the conditioning to do for you what is exemplary. Anybody, I don't care how skinny you are or how built you are. You oh, can, there's no uh, doubt. Progression, sure. You yeah. know, I mean, it just makes you take more time, less time. But <coughs> I'll tell you where the failure is, and I always say this to people: it's a failure of will. Or you, or you, it was a failure of joints. Or you just well, no, hold on, you didn't let me finish. I was going to say, or you just it's a failure of time, which yeah. also could be you know, like you you just get old, <laughs> or you know, it's because it's forty yeah. years later. Or like you say, or that with the passing of time and all that effort, you know, eventually kind of go kaput. So yeah, those things are there. But or I add one more, and I'll steal it from Dan John. His little thing where he likes to say, "Keep the goal, the goal." A lot of people get real shady on what they're trying to accomplish. Oh, and they bounce all over the place. That's good. And you've got to figure out what the hell you want, and you need to train for that, and only that, and it's okay. People that I I don't met so many people that don't. They don't give themselves the permission to just train for one thing. Yeah. Oh, you know? and you see that a lot with the, today. With the oh, advent, yeah. with the advent of CrossFit, uh-huh. yes, and, and with a lot of like, and, and certainly, and I, I'll, I've said this before, MMA has really changed the landscape of how young guys approach conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you say, you, got, you see guys who they want to put all the muscle on. It, it, you know, they want to be as big and strong as possible, but they also want to be the tap out king. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You're, again, you're serving two masters there. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a reason in mixed martial arts competition, you don't see a lot of jack dudes who are 250 pounds. Yeah. You might see a lot of real muscular guys who are 180 yeah. pounds. There's a ton of those guys. They look great on camera and stuff, but there's not, mm-hmm. there's a reason why you don't see you know, 270 pound muscular guys. It's because the con- the conditioning that's required to excel in that domain really kind of cancels out the other one. It does. The dead weight of giant pecs and deltoids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, listen, we're, we are out of time, but yeah. uh, I just wanted to say it, it is true what Rob is saying uh, and Phil that ultimately that's why I decided to stop doing uh, the five sets of five for a while. You know, because I'm like, well, I am getting stronger. I am progressing. And joints aside, lower back aside, I'm like, I- I'm doing this because I want to have bigger legs. <laughs> you know, and, I, and yeah. so the goal is more bodybuilding-esque. And, and yeah. that's, ultimately, that's why I turned around after eight months, because I started getting very swept up in something that I'm probably not very good at. You know, but anyway. Okay, so um, there you have it. Uh, ben from Brooklyn, thank you for the show topic. Um, none of us has actually paid for programming before, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. I do think it's a good idea to have a, a, a extra set of eyes, at least when you can't get it through ob- observation, like Rob said, or through just gym talk and, and exposing yourself to experts as much as you can. Hopefully that d- doesn't always have a dollar sign attached to it. But yeah, there's no shame in paying somebody if that's the route you want to go. There's nothing wrong with that. Just because the three of us haven't done it doesn't mean we would ever have been opposed to it if the, yeah. the opportunities that were presented to us had not been. So. If you're serious, you can move to Kansas. You can join my team. There's <laughs> there openings it right now. There it is. Or move to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot.
Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.